0: The Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, episode 552 for Mom. For Sunday, May 10th, 2015.
1: Uh, greetings, folks, and welcome to the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab. The show where you send in questions, tips, cool stuff found, we answer your questions. People have said, we're like the click and clack of the Apple world. Does that make us bit and bite? I don't know. You decide. And you, of course, if you decide, you have to decide which is which is whom, I think. I don't know how that works. But, uh, but that's how that goes. This episode today, first of all, goes out to all the mothers out there. Hi, Mom. Uh, secondly, but certainly... Uh, equally as important. Well, maybe not quite as important as the moms, uh, because without moms, none of us are here. Secondly, uh, this is, uh, this episode is sponsored in part by gazelle at gazelle.com. Make sure you choose Mac Geekab on the, on your checkout there. But, uh, that is the place to both sell and get money for and buy great quality. Used electronics that you have your old iPhones and all that stuff. We'll talk more about that during the show. Also welcoming back a sponsor that we have, uh, We've not seen for a little while here. Happy to have Warby Parker back on board. WarbyParker.com/mgg is where you start to uh, select your five f- pairs of try-on glasses all for free. And once you've uh, once you've selected your frames, if you started with that WarbyParker.com/mgg link, you will get free expedited shipping, 3-day shipping on your uh, on your frames. So we'll talk more about that during the show. Here. In very hot, uh, welcoming, uh, 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 quite in a quite welcomed way, Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton,
0: and here in fearful Connecticut, John F. Braun. How goes it today, John F.
1: Braun? Fantastic, Lantastic. like the uh, the old
0: the old thing. I don't know. Yeah, but Dave, so much new stuff. So, want to offer some tips here? Actually,
1: I, mean. I, I, I I do. I want to go through your new stuff, but I have forgotten in the last three episodes to talk about this, and I want to make sure we talk about it. So I'm just gonna, oh, I'm just going to yes. stumble all over you and do this. So there are a couple of special things happening, uh, events happening on uh, the day before Father's Day, actually Saturday, June 20th in Chicago or just outside of. Chicago. I guess it's, I don't know. It's it's right near the airport. Okay, uh, there's an event in the afternoon that that sort of started this all um, called the Midwest Mac Barbecue, and that is I believe at Midwest MacBBQ So we will put that in the show notes. That is uh, Barry Falk, a longtime listener of of this podcast and many many others. Uh, he was the very first person to sign up for Mac geek Gab premium when that opened up, uh, what four years ago. So there, there, there has always been a soft spot in, in our hearts for Barry. Uh, he's a good friend to the show and a good friend to podcasters in general. When he heard Macworld expo was not happening this year, he was sad like many of us and Barry, uh, bless his heart, decided to do something about it. And then he decided he would do it by dedicating his backyard for an afternoon, uh, for a barbecue. And everybody is invited is what he says. So, uh, so you can check that out at Midwest Mac BBQ, BBQ sorry. Dot com. Uh, again, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes for that. Um, and it's going to be great. That starts, I think about two in the afternoon and uh, it'll go probably into the evening and, and, and probably move to a, uh, you know, a local watering hole or something uh, after the fact there's a hotel. We're all staying at John. I, we're both going to, John and I are both going to be there and uh, it'll be a blast. And yeah, it means that I've got to wake up on father's day without my kids, but, um, but it's fine. I'll fly home early and, and I'll be home for the afternoon. So it's all good. So, uh, so there's that anything you want to tell us about that, John, did I miss anything on that before I move on to phase
0: two? No, no, we're, uh, now we're good. I, I look okay. forward to it. Thanks to Barry and uh, and the Max Stock Conference and Expo. Well, that so, that's uh, the next phase which
1: we haven't talked oh, about yet. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> yep. So, no. So then, it, as John alluded, um, the, the afternoon is the party, right? It's the gathering. It's the good stuff. Uh, the reason we all get together. But we, if we are going to be together, well, why not make it a learning experience, too? And really kind of tie in both parts of what made uh macworld expo the thing that we all like to go to every year and and again uh, somebody stepped up mike potter from uh for mac eyes only podcast uh cre- has created mac stock 2015 uh which of course is the inaugural uh conference for um uh, for for for, uh, for for mac stock it's it's the first one and it'll happen in the morning uh it won't overlap too much if at all with the barbecue so uh, there's going to be some great speakers there. I, I am one of them. Um, Mike's going to speak. Chuck Joyner's going to speak. Julie cool is going to speak. Gene McDonald, guy, Searle, a uh, longtime friend of the show, Allison Sheridan, of course, uh, from the Nozilla cast, uh, another long time, everybody. We're all good friends, right? Tim Robertson uh, currently of OWC, but also of MyMac.com, which he, which he still does. So it's going to be an Eric Erickson who I actually don't know. So, I look forward to, to both speaking there. I think the speaking slots are pretty short. They're all like, you know, 20 or 30 minute slots, which is great. And, um, and so you can follow, find more about that at max.conference and expo.com. And I might even have like a special link I'm supposed to use because I'm a speaker. And if I do, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, but for now we'll, we'll just put the regular one so that uh, you can find out about it and, and book your, uh, you know, your, your travel. If so, should be a blast. I'm really looking forward to it. And I hope uh, if anybody is able that you are able to, uh, that you, that you do choose to join us. Yeah. Cause it should I, be a I blast. Already,
0: yeah. I already put it in there, but you can put it in
1: again. <laughs> oh, sorry. Thank you. Well, thanks for, thanks for doing that, man. Yes. All right. So that is, uh, that's that, that's the the business. That I, I keep, we get to the end of the show and I say, I think, Oh dang it. I forgot to mention it. I, you know, time's ticking here. So, uh, I know if, if you want to make travel plans, there's still plenty of time to make travel plans, of course. Um, but, but uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm flying in, I guess you and I are flying in together, John, because we're going to go to an event in New York on Thursday night. And then Friday night, we're going to mm-hmm. fly in. So there will almost certainly be some level of impromptu, or perhaps coordinated, uh, just not yet coordinated gathering on Friday evening as well. Uh, at uh, the, I think there's the holiday Inn garden Inn or something, it's on the barbecue website with the hotel that most of us are staying at. So, um, so you know, there, there, there probably will be a pre, you know, pre event of some kind. There's been all kinds of discussion about it. So I'm going to leave that alone for now, but it's something will happen. So if you can come in on Friday and be there early enough. That would be a good thing. All right. That's what I got. So, John, you've uh, you've made some changes in your life. So many changes. The first was to, to fix a problem, right? The problem we heard
0: during last week's show. Um, well, the first change, so let me go in order here. Okay. The, that they're in my head. Sure. So the first change <laughs> is that I upgraded my uh, Mac mini to Yosemite. And I just want to offer a tip here. Yosemite of course is a, uh, uh, been out for quite a while here, but I ran into a little hitch here. So I just wanted to share this very quickly. And I think I know the cause. So, you know, downloaded Yosemite, ran the installer, machine rebooted, got to the screen where you see the progress bar. And then it got about 50% and sat there and sat there. And I went online and I'm like, has this happened to anybody else? And yes, it has. So some people said, oh, we'll just wait it out. So, you know, I went out for an hour, did some shopping, cruising around town and stuff like that. I came back, it was still there. And I'm like, all right, power down, reboot. Everything's fine. My my guess, and, uh, for, my guess for most folks is that
1: you have some sort of when when installing Yosemite, and we we talked about this whatever six months ago when when it it kind of first surfaced. But my guess is that you had installed some kind of Unix package manager on that computer, had you? Uh. Either Homebrew or Fink, I think you like, or you know, one
0: of those. I don't believe so, but I'll tell you what I think the cause is, because okay. one of my followers suggested this. He's like, hey, was that drive in that machine part of a RAID array? And I'm like, you know what? It was. So. Okay.
1: Yeah, because the package manager drive, thing, if there's data in slash user local, that will take a long time in certain upgrades and migrations to, to Yosemite. So it's possible. But, but you're right. It could have been the RAID thing, too. Absolutely
0: yeah so i tried to wait it out but i figured an hour with no visible progress was long enough so i powered down restarted everything's great just to make everything you know just just to clean things up i uh downloaded uh onyx and did a a, a nice cleanup of you know various caches and stuff like that just to uh, put the system in a nice state and so far so good So i'm, I'm all right with that so uh Sweet. So now both machines are running Yosemite. And then, and then the second thing, Dave, so you suggested because we had some network hiccups or every now and then I have some network hiccups here and I don't know if it's the transporter. I seem to think that it is. And one time it certainly was. It was barfing network traffic all over my network, which dis- uh, caused everybody else to get upset. So you said, hey, you know what? Maybe you should get a better switch. And you, Dave, suggested um, the TP-Link TL-SG108D. Okay. And I took a look at it and, you know, it's inexpensive. It's like 20 something bucks. But then, so I went to Amazon and then you, you pointed me to a page on Amazon. Sure. But then I looked and it said, well, you know, people that have looked at this, uh, some of them have actually, uh, you know, like me decided to ignore what Dave Hamilton says and, uh, buy something else. Sure. (laughs) And what I saw is that they have a TL dash SG one Oh eight E, which is a smart switch. Uh huh. Now, what does that mean? So normally a, a regular switch is dumb in that you can't do any sort of configuration. You just plug cables in and it just gives you more ports. And then there's nothing wrong with that. That that's fine. But then there's sure. another class of devices called smart switches. And this one was only like $5 more. And I actually ended up getting it from B and H because their shipping was less and they're over here in New York. Um, so it only took like two days to, to get to me. Um, but, man, this thing has, uh, for the money, I mean, Dave, this thing has so many features. It, it, it's crazy. So, I mean, it shows you the link status of each link, whether it's full duplex or half duplex. uh has something called IGMP snooping, which is useful if you're doing uh, multicast traffic. You can do port trunking. Um, You can do monitoring in that it'll show you oh well um okay this port here here's how many packets uh, you've sent you received here here's how many are good and bad and actually this is interesting is that it shows me that I've received about 3000 bad receive packets on port 1 which is my cable modem so that's kind of interesting so um port mirroring cable testing that's another thing yeah, and and nice. it's smart and it's smart in that it can actually Tell electrically how long your cables are, and it actually right. adapts the power. So this is one of the good things I think about a, a, a smart switch or, or a green switch. I think that's an aspect of a green switch, is that uh, it can vary the power. You might well, be, hey, it's yeah, working I mean, fine so far. Yeah, I know. yeah uh, I know. Loop prevention and also another uh, feature here. Um, so it has something so called it, loop prevention. Which, which model is this? I just want to make sure I get this it's right. The e. So it's the one you recommended, but it has an E at the but end. What's the so model number? SGL. SG 108 E one
1: zero eight or e zero eight E S G let me try this here. So, uh, SG one zero eight E got it. Okay. Thank you. Got
0: it. Perfect. I just wanted um, to find it so that we could put it in the notes and all that good stuff. And to wrap up some of the other things that I have. So uh, port based VLAN, if you're into that sort of thing, quality of service. So you can actually at the switch level, prioritize traffic and bandwidth control it also has something called storm control which i think may have prevented that problem i had before mm-hmm. where if it sees excess activity on a certain port it'll limit it so it doesn't saturate your network um the only downside is the software that lets you do that is windows uh but i'm running it within uh parallels virtual machine on windows 7 and uh and it runs fine and it connects uh, no problem because Actually, the the because this is a smart switch, it has an IP address. Oh, is that minor interesting? Thing I to, well, the what you know, it was funny when I looked at it. So you know, I looked at the bottom of it, and it said, "Oh yeah, by the way, the address of this device is one nine two dot one six eight dot zero dot one, and here's the username and password." I'm like. Oh, that's right. Now, the only thing is I don't run that subnet. I run a one seven two subnet, so I had to change the IP address of it to put it in the same subnet or and once I did that you could have changed the
1: subnet mask on your Mac instead of it being two five five two five five two five five zero if you changed your mac to be two five five two five five zero zero, it would have been able to address that switch because you would have been telling it that anything one nine two one six eight
0: Oh, you might not run yeah. one nine
1: two one six eight, but if you did, that would be on your local network.
0: Well, the thing is, their software insists that it has to be in the same subnet as. Uh, Got it. As you're on. But yeah. Um, oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Then, then that makes sense. Got it. So, uh, so far, I'm very happy with it. Uh, gives you all sorts of statistics here, and I think for the extra money, uh, the thing is, you know, I pulled it out of the box, and the thing is, I plugged it in and didn't run the software, and it worked. Just like a dumb switch. Yep.
1: Well, it probably. Exactly, I mean, it, it, it might have done more than just a dumb switch, right? It might have had that packet storm prevention enabled and all of that stuff because you don't need to run the software to do
0: that, right? No, a lot of lo, uh, most of that stuff is off by default. So. Oh, it's off by default. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay. Yeah. So when enable a lot of these features. Um, I guess that's yeah, good. You, 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 you want
1: to? Yeah. 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 That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: The only wacky part is that when I ran their software, I noticed that in addition to their software running, uh, you know, once I ran the Windows installer, it was also running Java. And then I started looking at their package and the only reason I can figure that they're doing this, because at first I thought, well, if it's Java, then why can't you run it on the Mac? But I think they have some legacy. I I think TP-Link has some Java components because when I looked at the, when I dug in, it's kind of a mix of DLLs and JAR files. So I think again, that's the only reason I could see to do this or they tried to do it in Java and gave up and said, Hey, we'll just do it in windows. Right. So, right. Right. So I, I would check this out for the money you, I don't think it's like five bucks more than the unmanaged version, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not much. I I think, I mean, I think they could charge quite a bit more for all the, all, all the extra stuff it does for you. That's pretty cool.
1: Ah, that's good, man. I'm curious to hear how I'm hoping that this solves your problem or at least helps mitigate your problem. Um, even if it is with a different device like the transporter or whatever on your network. Mm -hmm. So yeah, cool. Hey, I want to, uh, I want to take a minute and talk about our first sponsor today, which is, as I mentioned, uh, Warby Parker. And uh, that's Warby com slash MGG is where you're going to, where you want to go. And I'll tell you why Warby Parker sells glasses. Now that's, that's an oversimplification of what they do they started their mission because they they had a couple of problems with the way glasses were uh being sold to to us people that need to wear glasses from time to time right either uh prescription or or not right most of the time what ha- what's happening is you're at your uh, eye doctor's office Or some place where there's like lots of fluorescent lights and you're in kind of a pressure situation. If you're at your eye doctor's office, you've got somebody that's basically paid to stand there and tell you how great you look in whatever frames you're trying on just so they can can get you to buy and move on. And uh, and it's it's not a pleasant experience. And then when you're finished with that experience or it could be more pleasant, maybe it is pleasant, but it could be better. And then when you're finished with that experience, you you write them a check for like 400 bucks for a pair of glasses that uh, hopefully is going to last you, you know, a couple of years. But you you might scratch them. You might do something to them. And so the folks at Warby Parker that started this company said, wait a minute, we can fix this. And and so they did two things. First, they slashed the prices. Right. You can you are starting with uh, with, you know, polarized sunglasses for 95 bucks. You're starting with prescription uh, regular, you know, clear glasses for the same ninety five bucks, uh, even their like you know high end what they call their titanium collection starts at one forty five, and they're using premium Japanese titanium uh, on these glasses. These are high quality glasses uh, made in the same way that that you know the, the far more expensive stuff is. John and I have both had where uh, Parker first sponsored this podcast almost exactly two years ago, and uh, I still have the pair of glasses that I got uh, from them then they they're they're, they've held up extremely well uh i got another pair of glasses to to go through this procedure again and the procedure is the second part of what makes warby parker so good instead of standing in a room that has lots of frames and fluorescent lights and uh you know your doctor's Uh, staff, they're kind of pressuring you and, 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 and doing that. What you do is you go online in your computer comfortably and you can upload a picture of yourself to get a, get an idea and you start trying out different frames on your face. Now this isn't, this isn't the end of the process. This is just how you start. You kind of narrow it down, narrow it down to five. Now you're going to start at warbyparker.com slash MGG. As I mentioned in the pre-show That's going to get you three day shipping for free when you order your, your, your final frames. However, this first step is free. No matter what you go, narrow it down to five frames and then they're going to send you those frames to your house. They won't, they won't put your prescription in them yet because they haven't built these for you. They're sending you try on frames. You get the try ons. I ordered mine. They they showed up in like two days and then you can try them on at your house. You can, Like walk around a little bit, try them in front of a mirror, have your family there, try them in different lighting, wear them for a little while to see how, how they fit and how the comfort is. And then once you've selected your, your frame and you get to have them for five days at home, which is, you know, an awesome amount of time. Once you've selected your frames, you, uh, you send them off, you you know, you send the, 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 the trial pairs back. And you tell Warby, okay, now I'm ready to order. And I want this frame and here's my prescription. You just, uh, you know, I took a, a snapshot of my prescription with my iPhone and sent it in. And that was that. And then within they, within like 10 days, you know, you, your, uh, your glasses ship out and, and you get them and it's got your prescription in them and you can get, like I said, prescription sunglasses or regular glasses or even non-prescription sunglasses. Warby, you know, they're flexible, whatever, whatever you want to get. That's what they'll do. So you're going to go to warbyparker.com slash MGG and then just start picking out glasses and you get five free pairs to try on at home. If you don't like any of those five, send them back. You're not on the hook to order anything. Okay. And you could do it again until you get what you like. Warbyparker.com slash MGG gets you your five free home try on frames. And, uh, and, and then it just makes it easy. And here's like the, the icing on the cake is as by doing this, you're actually contributing to a charitable cause for every pair of glasses sold, Warby Parker distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. So you're, you know, you're, you're, you're buying glasses at a massive discount off of what you would have been paying and what you probably have been paying at your eye doctor and somebody in need gets an, it's, gets a pair too. It's a win, 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 right? And, uh, and if you visit warbyparker.com slash MGG, like I said, you get expedited shipping, but of course, that's the fourth win because it, it shows them that we sent you there and, uh, and that's good for everybody. It shows them that this kind of advertising works. You're supporting podcasts, uh, podcasts in general, podcast advertising, and also uh, obviously supporting our show here because, uh, because it, you know, shows that it works and we're glad to have Warby Parker back. Thanks so much to, uh, to all of you for, for supporting them and, and, uh, and to them for supporting us and you for supporting us and all that good stuff. warbyparkercom slash M G G. All right. So I think it's time to go to Daryl here,
0: John. Don't you don't. Yeah, you Yeah. And something else new, Dave, how are we going to go to Daryl? We're going, we're doing a whole new platform here. I'm, I'm
1: glad you said that because I went to the wrong app. Um, yeah. So <laughs> we've been, we've been separately keeping our, uh, we, we save PDFs of all the questions that uh, we prep prepped for the show. And then we share those in a, a Dropbox folders, what we've done in the past. And then we put them into our own management systems for me uh, that, that was using Yojimbo, which is great because it syncs amongst all of my computers. And then for John, you were using preview and the, your preview thing has been, you know, sort of a, a, a comedic source over the years because it's, it's, it fails all the time. You, you, it's a bit mismanagement sort of thing. But uh, last week I decided, well, this is crazy. Why are we not using something where we can actually manage these and share them simultaneously. And so we have, uh, we've jumped to Evernote and I know we're very late to this party. Evernote, Evernote was late to the note taking party, right? Uh, I've been a a note collector and manager for years. And so when Evernote came in, it was like, well, I've already solved this problem, but, um, but there's some great things that Evernote does. And so it's not that I was ever against it. It was just that I didn't, uh, I didn't have a need for it on day one. But uh, I am happy to to be testing this out, and uh, you can test it out, too. We'll put a link in the notes. It's one of those deals where if you use the link, we get, you know, a, a, not a kickback, but, you know, we we get some, like, an extension on our our Evernote subscription, and you get, a I think, an extension on your initial, too. So uh, we will put that link in the show notes. But, yes, I will go to Evernote, and I'm glad you said that, because otherwise I would have been hunting around <laughs> in Yojimbo right now. Um, which of course I can't share with you, which is too bad. And also I can see this on my iPad and my iPhone. And I'm, I have actually, for this show, I'm doing PDF annotation inside Evernote on my iPad. So I didn't even have to move the file over to, um, uh, what do I call it? Uh, note taker HD. So it's a simplification of the workflow. Perhaps we will see. Daryl writes, my wife created an iMovie. She took the portions of the movie on her iPhone and then edited. it on her MacBook Pro. She wants to be able to show this movie on her iPhone when out of the house. How can she now get this completed movie from her Mac to her iPhone, or even better, in the cloud, to stream? So I'm curious what, uh, well, I'll share my answer, John. I, I think you've got some, some thoughts on this, but I'm also curious what all of you think, because there's many, way, many ways to do this, and, and perhaps we'll hear some of them live in the show here from our uh, esteemed guest in the cha- guests in the chat room at MacGeekHub.com slash stream good morning and uh happy mother's day to any of you to whom that applies uh so uh, you could put it in a there's a couple of couple of ideas that came to mind one was you could put it in dropbox right and now that's accessible to all your devices and in dropbox you can mark a file as a favorite and when you do that it most of the time saves a copy on your ios device And those favorites are independent device independent. So you could have as a favorite on your iPhone, but not your iPad or whatever. And that way you've got a local copy of it. You're not streaming it from the cloud every time. And, and that, that works well. You could manually copy it um, in iTunes to the videos app on your iPhone. That would be another way of doing this. Um, Those are, those are the first two I'll, I'll
0: throw out there. John, do you have, you have any ideas? Quite a few. So, um, well, one platform that I've used for this, Dave, similar to a uh, Dropbox is uh, Bitcasa. Okay. Is one that, uh, will actually create a category for, uh, you know, in addition to pictures and stuff, but the client or the iOS client is smart enough to uh, parse out, oh, here's your music, here's your pictures. Uh, I'm almost certain it also does movies and and I'm not going to fiddle with it right now, but, uh, I'm almost certain that I've, I've used it for that in the past. Huh. No, there it is. Well. Uh, Let's start it up and see what happens. (laughs) You can't resist. Yeah. Let's see. Mirrored folders. Yeah. I'm sure it has a movies category. So you could, you could look, uh, you could look into that. Um, Something else actually I mentioned in some prior shows, Dave, uh, or or one of our recent, recent shows is the, uh, that little SanDisk uh, gizmo there. If you don't mind dropping a few Uh, dollars. Yeah. For, for the external hardware. Yeah, sure. Yep. The, uh, I expand, uh, drive, which, uh, you know, lets you shuttle things using a USB port with your Mac and then has a lightning port where you plug into your, uh, uh, iOS device and then run their software. And I absolutely used it to play a movie. Actually, a, 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 my test case was a, a movie that I had ripped and I pulled it off of my, uh, NAS and, uh, put it on this drive, plugged it into my iPad and I was watching a movie on my iPad. Cool stuff. Nice. Nice. I would, You um, know, it's interesting that you said, you know, I wasn't sure about this. So you had said, um, uh, I believe iTunes. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I noticed something. I've been researching some questions for people the other day and they've done something with iTunes. It's kind of a mess if you, if you ask me, but um, somebody was asking a question about photos and iTunes and I was like, well, you can sync your photos using iTunes. Only if you have well, I iCloud I, Drive turned off. Uh, iCloud photo library turned off sorry correct and i don't know if we've mentioned that but i think it's worth mentioning because i ran into that yep because i saw that because i was like well no you just and and the thing is apple's help articles even continue to say this they're like oh you want to sync photos with your uh, ios device well use itunes and it's like not if iCloud is uh, iCloud drive is on iCloud iCloud photos yeah yeah. And it tells you that it's like, well, what are you doing here? Basically, yeah. basically, if you have your device up in iTunes and you click on photos, it's like, well, why are you even looking at this section? Go go away. Yeah, right. 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 <laughs> so that kind of disturbs me that they kind of remove that functionality be able to directly sync your photos, but the movies it appears you can still sync uh sync your movies from your uh, using iTunes. It's kind of kind of weird. I don't like it yeah yeah um
1: another one that came to mind is is a piece of third-party software is infuse from firecore uh that's another favorite of mine and it does let you just put movies directly into it uh vlc will do the, the same thing infuse has a it's a really nice player um and does a great job so we'll put we'll put that there too but um yeah, i iTunes you just you're just putting into the videos app there is is what you'd be doing uh on your Mac but i th- I think honestly i I feel like well it, if you want it in the cloud Dropbox uh or Box you know is probably easier than trying to i don't even know how you would do this with Apple's cloud but um so you'd have to use Dropbox or Box i think which is too bad. I mean it, it it's weird, right? I mean I well Could you save your iMovie to iCloud from your Mac and then open that same iMovie with iMovie on your iOS device? Of course, the answer is yes. Right?
0: Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I I don't know. I don't know about Box, Dave. Yep. Because I've been using... Box or I remember hey, hang point. on you're
1: hijacking my question here I, i'm I'm curious right about how can we can we add from the cloud right in 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 iMovie on iOS and the answer is yes we can if you save it to iCloud drive um you can pull in your your project and play it right inside iMovie and even edit it inside iMovie from there yeah. So that would work. And, and there's, that's your Apple, you know, your Apple centric cloud solution. If you don't want to step outside the Apple box, which, you know, which is understandable, that would be the way to do it. And then you get it right there in iMovie on your, uh, on your iOS device. So you could make edits if you choose, or you could just take the final
0: movie and put it there too. So, okay. All
1: right. Now, what were you saying?
0: My only problem with box, if you, if you're thrifty like me and you have the free box plan. Yeah. So you're talking box, the cloud service. Right box. The only up, thing yeah. is, if you, yeah. yeah, the only thing is that if you have their uh uh free offering, one of the problems with the free box offering is that they limit the size of the files that you can sync with. Oh, okay. Because I noticed that I was uh, yeah, for some reason I uh, you know I had not used it for a while and then I realized why I hadn't because <laughs> right. I reinstalled it and started syncing. I think some documents and stuff and and all of a sudden it said, well, I barfed on these and here's why they're too yeah, big. Sure. And that's going to happen with with Dropbox
1: or iCloud Drive too. I mean, it doesn't limit it does, but uh, you're probably not going to hit the limit of of the file size with a whole movie. But um, I mean, you have storage limits on on any of these, so that's that's something to consider. So yeah, there you go, there you go. I like, think those are our answers. I'm looking in the chat room here and seeing um, YouTube. Actually, that's a great idea, Brian Monroe take the final video, put it up to YouTube and, uh, and there you go. And you can, you know, when you put stuff on YouTube, you got to create a YouTube account, but that becomes kind of an extension of your Google account, which you probably already have. And and they're free either way. Um, When you put stuff on YouTube, of course you can put it up and be public with it, but you can also put it up and either be private where it's only shared with specific people that you, um, that, that you specify, or you can make it private with the link, which means it's not advertised on YouTube. It doesn't show up in search results, but if someone knows the very, very specific link to that video, which of course you can share, uh, then people could see it so that there is a, you know, there are, there are degrees of privacy available with YouTube. So, yep. Yep. All right. So yeah, that's, that's the, uh, that's the way it's. And Brian Monroe says that second option is called unlisted. So it's private and then unlisted, and then um, and then just public, so there you go. so thank you. that's great. That's outstanding. Uh, what else, anything else on that one, John? Or time to move on to Finster.
0: You know, I was wondering if Flickr, yes, I'm looking right now that, was, that I, Flickr, I, I, yeah Flickr appears to support videos as well, although I only use it for photos, yeah. Oh there, there you go there's another one and i think they have the same sort of thing you can set the uh who you want to expose things to uh, ah my photos i well my photos i make them all public because sure i i have nothing to hide right but but your like your photo backups that
1: we talked about in a previous show those are marked by default as private and then, and then you can change that. Uh, obviously once the photo is in there kind of as your backup, you can change it and make it public and part of your Flickr stream. But it, 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 by, by when it's just uploaded as a backup, that does not happen. No matter what your defaults are, your, your photos are not uploaded public. Um, when you do it that way. So, which is a good thing, you know, that makes, makes good sense. Sweet.
0: All right. Hi. Now on to Finster. Take us to Finster. There you go. Yes. So Finster writes I was looking at Apple's best practices for Wi-Fi, and it says it is better to only broadcast at five gigahertz rather than both G and N. I'm not quite sure about that. But um, to continue, is it possible to switch the lower band? My Apple TV is third generation and my Roku and Kindle Fire sticks are brand new. So I think what he's asking. Or at least my answer, Dave, is you can certainly. So, so I think the question is: Can I can I turn off? Can I turn off one or the other radios? I yeah, think it, that it, was the question in there because. Yeah, just to 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 make a, a, a,
1: to reclarify something here. Eight hundred two point eleven N is a a transmission protocol that works on either 2.4 gigahertz or five gigahertz. 802.11 G only works. I hope I don't get this wrong. Only works on, on 2.4 802.11 AC only works on five gigahertz, but N will work on either band. So the the point is the protocol should not necessarily be related to the, to the, to the band. And what, what Finster is asking is, can we, disable the um the 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 one of the radios on the thing and Brian Monroe tells me that I'm wrong which probably means that you can run 802.11g on on five gigahertz he hasn't specified um he uh, says ac works on both 2.4 and 5 okay all right fair enough yeah but but you don't want to you don't want to get to the point where you're you're marrying protocols and or confusing protocols and and wireless bands and in this case He wants to turn off one of them, one of one of the bands, one of the radios in his device.
0: Correct. So I don't have the latest AC device, but I have uh, one that has everything but AC in it. So the answer is, while you cannot turn off a radio and that there is no ability to turn off either the 2.4 or the 5 gigahertz radio in the airport. However, there are a couple of things you can do, and, and I, I believe this answered the question. You can limit what protocols are supported on the various um, uh, radios, and I think that's what's going to help you. So by default, if you, get, if you take the, uh, at least this, this model airport, so I don't have the AC one, but if you take this model airport without AC uh, and you run the airport utility... And then you go to the wireless tab and then to the wireless options dot, dot, dot button, you're going to see a number of uh, choices here. And one of them is the radio mode. And by default, it's wide open. It's like, oh, well, I'll let you do 802.11a or n on the 5 gigahertz radio and 802.11bg or n on the 2.4 gigahertz radio. And that's by default what it's set up for. Now, if you click on that pull-down, you're going to get a couple of options that are going to start limiting and removing some of the choices. And I won't go into all of them, but what I am going to offer is a tip to help you fine-tune what protocols you're offering on the various radios. So if you click normally on that menu, you're going to get two additional choices uh, that, that start limiting things. But then here's a secret, Dave, and I love these secrets. But if you hold down Option... Instead of getting three options, you're going to get 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Crazy. You're going to get 14 choices. And I, I would say, Dave, best practice is that if you know you're not going to need a certain protocol, like, for example, 802.11b is the oldest. And I think that's the, you know, uh, 11 megabits per second on 2.4 gigahertz. Right. I would say if you don't, if you absolutely know for certain that you do not need a protocol like 802.11b, uh, you may want to disable it and not make it a choice. And this menu will let you do that. It can let you select. So, for example, on the 2.4 gigahertz radio, you can say only do G or only do N. Or only do B if if you want to. I don't know why anybody would want to do that, but you certainly can. So I would say if you know Again, all your devices, what you know, their, their preferred protocol is, then uh, set up your airport to exclude the other ones. Because I think the, the downside, Dave, is that if you start, the more protocols that you're supporting on either frequency, the potential for the network to operate at less than peak efficiency increases it we, depending it on won't the protocol. Drag it it, it won't right. drag it down. So, like in the past, some people have said, "Oh, well, if you allow eight hundred two point eleven b, then that's going to drag everything down to eleven megabits." And it's like, "Well, no, but it it it, it will," I think affect the uh, efficiency of everything so in
1: general. I, so I want to have. I want to have. I want to add something to that conversation. But but first, with with Finster, y- y- yeah, you're right. On Apple's routers, you cannot disable either radio. However. If you want to make sure your stuff only connects to your five gigahertz radio and that your 2.4 is unused, what you could do is change. You can change the SSID by default. Apple's uh, routers will make both uh, the five gigahertz and the 2.4 gigahertz use the same SSID, which is which is still their recommendation and still ours. Um, I mean, there are scenarios where you'd want it different and perhaps in, in, in finsters, you would, if you changed the SSID of your, uh, 2.4 gigahertz radio to be different from the five and only told your devices to connect to that SSID, then you're golden, right? Cause it's, you're not going to connect to it. You could even change it to don't use, you might even be able to, I don't have one of those, so I can't test it, John. Maybe you can, but I, I, I don't, I know you can change the name. I don't know if you could then say and don't advertise the 2.4 gigahertz one, which would be, which would be a good idea. Um, But that, that would be a way it's still going to be broadcasting or that radio will still be on, but you're not going to be connecting to it, which may accomplish what you're looking for here. That's my feeling. Right. So I feeling two other things. Number one, Technically, as part of the spec, yes, Uh, Brian Monroe, you're right. 802.11ac is supported on 2.4 gigahertz. We've done a little back and forth in the chat room here. Neither one of us can find a single physical instance of a 2.4 gigahertz radio that supports it, though. So I think it's only uh, theoretical. I think in in practice, 802.11ac is 5 gigahertz only. And then number two, you were talking about security or you were talking about speeds, John, and things that would slow your network down. One thing that will definitely slow your network down is if you are running WEP encryption, uh, it is proven to be uh, very, very, very easily hackable uh, with CPUs that exist in our pockets and perhaps even on our wrists these days. Uh, Web encryption can be cracked in a matter of, of minutes, usually single digit. Um so because of the its lack of of any kind of security the standards body dictated that anybody using WEP encryption would be limited to 54 megabits per second. Now you can't even use WEP on 802.11ac but you can use it on n but it won't be any faster than 802.11g because it 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 is artificially limited to be slow. If you're using WEP, so you should either use no encryption uh, or use WPA2, and then then that gets better. So there you go. That's just a good reminder because I I you know I run into people. I go to families' houses and they're like, oh yeah, we have this big long web key. I'm like, and you complain that your Wi-Fi range stinks and you get bad speeds, right? They're like, yeah, it's terrible. Like, okay, well here's why. But you know, it's not their fault. They don't know. Um, nobody comes out and says this other than us and that's what we're here for
0: that's what i actually i don't even see that as i'm looking in the airport utility so also in the wireless tab there is a the wireless security choice oh okay you got to hold down option to do it exactly Yeah. yeah so the thing is they don't and i think that's a good thing so normally so their default menu only gives you wpa uh either personal or enterprises choices if you insist you can hold down option and then it we'll give you a web choice, but yeah, like Dave says, I mean, uh, nobody should be using web because it's, uh, yeah, it's bad. You might as well not even be using security.
1: (laughs) Right. Well, it it lulls you into a false sense. And that's why the standards body, I think that was the prime, prime reason they did it. All right. Uh, I want to talk about our second sponsor here, John, which is gazelle, as I mentioned, and uh, gazelle it has been a sponsor of Mac for a long time. Uh, and for good reason, they do, they provide a service that many of us can simply use over and over and over again. And that is they will buy back your used electronics and give you cash and they make it easy. And so I'm going to do my best to talk through this process as fast as possible, but no matter how well I do, and I'm going to do pretty well, it's going to be faster for you to actually do, just do it. You visit gazelle.com. You select what kind of device you have. You'll notice I haven't told you to put your name in yet. You don't. You select what kind of device you have that you want to sell. You answer some questions about it. Like, is it, you know, uh, is it an iPhone or is it an iPad or is it a, a MacBook? And then, okay, it's an iPhone. Well, was it an AT&T phone? Was it a Verizon phone? What is it? An iPhone four is it? an iPhone five S is it a six. Well, how big is it? Does it have 16 gigs of RAM? Does it have 16 gigs of storage? 32, 64, 128, right? What's the answer? What condition is it in? Good, fair, poor? Answer the question. They give you some guidance. You know, this indicates, um, you know, fair. This indicates good. This indicates poor. And does it have engraving? Answer all these questions. Then it asks you for your address. Then it shows you a number, right? And it says, okay, here's what we'll pay for it. If you like the number, then you put in your address. You put in your name, you put in your address, that's it. Nope, you'll notice you never put in a credit card. You might want to put in your PayPal address though. Not that they're going to take anything out of the account, but in the end, they can send you your money that way. They can also send you a check or if you buy stuff on Amazon, they'll send you an Amazon gift card for 5% more than the number that they'd previously told you. And then a box appears. You haven't spent any money. You're not going to spend any money as part of this process. It's just not how it works. A box appears, you put your stuff in it, you put the label on it. It's got even, it's got the label inside. It's got tape inside. You don't need anything. You just put your stuff in. Done. And follow some instructions. You got to make sure that you've turned off, find my iPhone on your phone so that you're not in the activation lock land and, and all of that. And then you, you ship it back to them. No charge to you. When they get it, they evaluate it. Make sure you sent them what you said you were going to send them. Done. You got your money. Their customer service has been fantastic. We have heard so many great stories from all of you about how good they, how much they care about you, their customers. They go out of their way to help people. So you are in good hands. I feel totally confident recommending these folks. Um, yes, this is a paid spot, but, uh, but I, I, I recommend them uh, separate from that as well. I'm happy to do so. They just do so well. And now you can buy stuff from them. so, Yes, on the selling side, money never leaves your pocket. It just comes into your pocket. But when you're going to buy something, you're going to spend some money. And that's the thing. You're not going to spend a whole lot because they've got all these great used devices. A lot of them, they kind of sell out the back door in bulk. But the really good ones, they keep. And they sell to somebody else that needs it. You want to get a phone that's unlocked and ready to go? You don't want to pay full price? Pay Gazelle's price. Check it out. You got to look at it. And they, they have a certified guarantee. It goes through a 30-point inspection and again, same customer service I told you about on the other side. It's Gazelle, right? So you're good to go. You got to check it all out. Gazelle.com. And, uh, and that's it. It's that simple. But if you started this process when I started this spot uh, 3.75 minutes ago, you'd be finished. I swear to you. It's much faster than, uh, than it takes for me to explain it. So you got to check it out. Gazelle.com. That's all it takes. On the checkout, by the way, they'll ask you where you heard about it. Mention Gab. Uh, and, and you don't even have to mention. They make it easy, of course. You just choose it from a list. That's it. We're right there, and that lets them know. Same thing. That's it. Gazelle dot com. It's that simple, and you get your money. All right, John. What do we got? Let's see. You want? We've got some tips about. Uh, well, we got a couple about photos and one about mail. You want to take us to Thomas there?
0: Yes. That was great. So this actually caught my attention. I I believe I was looking at the uh, uh, Mac Observer Twitter feed and I saw an article from our own Kelly. And um, it reminded me um, that Photos is, uh, you know, Photos is, of course, the new uh, program that comes in uh, Yosemite to handle your photos to uh, replace uh, Aperture and iPhoto. But it's missing some features, and this has gotten some people uh, ready to shake their fists. And I remember that uh, a number of episodes ago, Thomas asked us, uh, hey, by the way, guys, is there any way to do a batch uh, change in photos? And as far as I could tell, the answer is no. Well, that has now changed. And I will direct you to an article from Kelly that found uh, that there's basically a way to, uh, outside of photos... Uh, accomplish this task and i will and so i sent this off to thomas and thomas appreciated it so uh, read the article uh how to get batch change back in photos for mac perfect how how do you get batch change back john so that
1: uh,
0: uh well it goes into detail I, I don't want to read it to you here but basically you're adding something to one of your service menus that then uh gives you this uh this ability back okay huh that's cool. And so the article the article goes into detail about how to uh, add this uh, add the service to sure. your to your system, so you can do batch changes. And then it involves some scripting and or automator. But I'm not going to go into detail. Well, we've got
1: the we've, sure got the we've got the script right there. Yeah. No, I just wanted I wanted an overview so people knew what they were getting themselves into. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah.
0: This reminds me too. The other fish shake that a lot of people have is that you cannot edit location data within photos. And I think at this point you're going to have to rely. I think on an EXIF editor, EXIF being the extended data that is often embedded in a photo, I think that's the only way you could accomplish this right now. Okay. Um, I mean, I get the location because I have a camera right now um, that has GPS in it. And when I enable the GPS, it it does, you know, put latitude and longitude within photos and you can view it, but there's no way to edit that data after the fact. Got it. So maybe somebody will, uh, maybe I'll whip something together because some people realize, oh gosh, you know, I want to put the location in the, in the photo and my camera didn't do it. And now photos won't let you do it either. Whereas aperture did. And I believe also iPhoto would let you do it after the fact. So, um, so that's something, if anybody knows how to accomplish that, uh, in a better way, that'd be great. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And and of course your iPhone has the ability to, uh, Save location data, and you can you can configure that in. I believe it's in settings, privacy. Right? It's it's always in a weird spot, but I or it, it, in in my opinion, it's changed. But yeah, settings, privacy, photos. Uh, is it at the bottom of that? No, nope. settings. Sorry, settings, privacy, location services, and then you allow the camera to use your location while using the app. That's one spot. Is it, is it elsewhere too? Is the, is there like a setting to say, don't No, you're right. Questions? That's, that's the only, that's place. the
0: setting. Cause typically okay. I disable that because, uh, yeah, especially if I'm taking photos around the house, because I don't want my, uh, my fans and my enemies to know my exact location. I see. Other than, you know, just <laughs> looking up what John F Broad in Fairfield, Connecticut, which you say at the beginning of every show, <laughs> Yeah, you could do that too. Right. Yeah, I, I, I was unlisted for a while. So yeah, if, yeah, you can, you can find me stop by. You know, yeah. have a little chat, maybe, you know, barbecue or something like that. <laughs> Sounds like a course. plan. That's right.
1: You're going to barbecue squirrels with our fans? Dude, that's a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's plenty of them out there. I mean, the, them's good eating. Uh, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's go back around to uh, Andrew with another tip. He says, uh, let's see, where is the tip here? I got to get to the tip. Did I, do I have the right tip? Oh, I have the wrong Andrew. Of course. Uh, he says, I'll get there. Oh, where am I here? Oh, what have I done? This is the I mean, problem. You with shaking your fist at me getting lost. I know. Well, it's nice nice I got to do it. I think. So he says, uh, there's a delete thing here. I had it. All right. He says, uh, oh, I see why I have a problem with this. Okay. Sorry, folks. I, I pulled a, uh, I pulled a John F Braun here. Andrew says by playing around, I have found a way to delete files uh, from my main library on my MacBook with photo stream. If you right click or two finger click on a picture in photos or pictures and select delete, it deletes from the photo stream and any other folder and library. If you use the keyboard with command delete, it deletes from the photo stream uh, and any other folder and library. However, if you select a picture or pictures and just use delete on the keyboard, it deletes from photo stream, but not any other folder or library. So again, using delete from the keyboard, only photo stream is what it deletes from. If you use command delete from the keyboard, it deletes from everywhere. And then if you choose the right click menu, the delete there will delete from everywhere. Got it. It was, it was easier to explain than it was to find, but now, now I know why I thought I had a reply from of my own in there that I was going to ignore. But in fact, it was Andrew. And, uh, and lastly on the tips, I believe for this episode uh, Seth has something you want to share for us, John, maybe you'll do better than me.
0: Ah, yes, this is a, uh, no, oh, I think a very good one here because it's something I didn't know. Yeah. Cause our, sometimes I'm not paying attention, but our listeners are. So, um, this is in regards to mail. One thing that we pointed out here, especially with IMAP mail is that you want all your IMAP, clients whether they be running on your mac or your ios device or even a windows machine or any computer but you want the settings to the various major mailboxes to all be the same because if they're not you're going to see mysterious things happening like things disappearing now it could be due to a bug in mail which i think we've realized may be a problem but it could also be that one of your machines is doing exactly what it's been told to for example um Here's one of the examples. Um, so your trash mailbox is one where you can set the behavior depending on the platform that you're on. And in my case, actually, what I do, Dave, is um, now you could set your trash to never empty. But to me, what's the point of the trash unless you <laughs> empty it? Um, I actually. Uh, so so let's say that you want to not ever Get rid of your trash. Or I guess delete is uh, how, how it may also be uh, classified. Well, Seth noticed something here, which could explain why you're seeing weird things happening with iCloud. And then if you go to the iCloud web interface, the default setting for trash, or the only setting, I believe, is to delete after 30 days. Right. Right. Yeah, And as far as I can see, there's no way to change that. So if you want to retain your uh, iCloud trash data. Don't put it in the trash. Well, don't put it in the trash. Now, I think the one thing is that if you are maintaining. Um, now the thing is people may not know. I'm going to tell you now is that there is a special interface to time machine through mail. So if, you, if you're running mail and then you go into time machine, you then get a special interface that looks like mail but well it's a a cross between mail and time machine and in that case dave i believe um, you can go back in time if you made a time machine backup at that point in time you could retrieve it because i believe it will uh, Mm. save the local copy so all is not lost if you all of a sudden remember oh my gosh there's this thing I, i trashed 31 days ago And now it's, it's, it's gone and I want to get it back. You should be able to retrieve it with your time machine backup because it does. That's true. Save your uh, mailboxes. Uh, A good thing to know. I haven't had to do that as of, as of late. And I don't believe they've changed that.
1: And you know, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned that about iCloud, uh, which is fine. Google Gmail uh, does the same thing. You can set mail to delete on its own and purge the, the, the stuff out of the trash mailbox on, you know, on, like you said, the the, ever after a week or a month or whatever schedule, but on Gmail's end, trash older than 30 days will be purged from the mailbox by the server, which is probably what's happening with iCloud as well. Mail is just a little more in sync with it there. So uh, if, if you are storing in, in Gmail, even if you set mail to never delete, which you should, and just let the server take care of it, know that the server is going to delete after 30 days on Gmail. So there you go. A couple of quick questions left. I think, John, I think we can get to, uh, we'll get to some of these. I don't know. We'll, we'll we'll go to Andrew for sure. Uh, And Andrew, that that different Andrew and the one that was, was throwing me off before uh, says every time I open VLC on my Mac, after having not used it for a few days, I get this message saying you are opening VLC for the first time. I know it's expected to get this message when I have downloaded and installed a brand new application or even replaced with an update. It's a security feature, but something is obviously wrong when it comes to VLC because it asks even when the app has been there for ages and used many times. There are a few other apps I have that do the same thing. Do you have any idea what's going on? Yeah, I do. It sounds like your launch services database is corrupt. Uh, Launch services manages lots of things, and this is one of them. And if it can't update itself after you say, yes, it's okay to open, then the data in there will say, oh, yep, first time open. Got to ask again. So you can rebuild the launch services database. And there's a couple of ways to do it. The program John mentioned, uh, you mentioned earlier in the show, man, uh, Onyx is absolutely the, the easiest way to do this. Uh, in terms of doing it in a graphical interface, uh, but you can do it from the, the command line too, and it's a single command. It's it's not that difficult. In fact, everything that Onyx does is doable from the command line. It's just Onyx makes it nice and easy because you don't have to remember terminal commands to do it. Uh, there is a great discussion about this issue and and what happens and and many ways to reset it and and clear it up on Stack Exchange on the Apple. Uh, Stack Exchange thread there. So I'll, I'll, we'll put that in the show notes for further reading. But Onyx is your, your your answer. Anytime any of you see this where it's just things are getting weird with app launches and you're getting weird uh, complaints, launch services is most likely the culprit. So we'll put that out there. Don't you think? I think. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, let's see. Let's let's go a quick question, but it it's a good question. You know, I, I love when there there are things that happen when you use computers all the time uh, that you take for granted. And some of them are just little apps that you use that you don't think about, but until it's not there and then it's you're dead in the water. Like for me, you know, uh, the two that three that jump to mind quickly are text, text expander and um, uh, uh, default folder and Keyboard maestro, largely keyboard maestro before the multiple clipboards. I I am crippled without having uh, a clipboard history, but there's, there's lots of these things that you just take for granted. And some of them are just procedural things, but uh, being asked about these, it is a uh, is helpful because it allows us to explain. and and Goncalo asks the following says I've started to use Dropbox as a safety measure after my flash drive died and I lost six months of work. I have several spreadsheets and work document Word documents and I used to keep them on a flash drive so I could access them at work and at home. Since the drive failed and my backup was six months old, I started to keep them at my hard drive in the Dropbox folder and with Dropbox Sync, I can have them at home too. My question is, if my hard drive crashes, do I lose the Dropbox files too? If my Dropbox folder gets corrupted uh, and I lose, do I lose everything, is there a faster way to do this? So if you've been using Dropbox for a long time and you're a geek, you you probably wouldn't even think to ask this question. But uh, but a new Dropbox user, this is a totally valid question to ask. And there's good news. Uh, Conkalo, the way it works is with Dropbox, your files are stored both on your local devices. So in fo- in those folders on your Mac and on your work machine, as well as on Dropbox's servers. So with that, even if one of your hard drives crashes, first of all, your data is still on your other hard drive at work. And it's also on Dropbox's servers. So even if you only have it on one computer, as long as it's been syncing with Dropbox, the data is there and it's awesome. It's a great way to restore from a backup because, or from a, from a, uh, you know, from a drive dying, you move to another computer, you log into your Dropbox account and you can even do that on the web. You don't even have to install the client if you don't want. And immediately begin accessing your files. They're all right there. That is one of the benefits of Dropbox storing your data in their cloud. The downsides are, you know, that you've got to pay for their cloud storage or, or deal with their free limits. And also they have your data. So if somebody like some, you know, government entity, I always say your data is secure with Dropbox until a subpoena. And as soon as they get that and they actually not as soon, they'll fight it. Uh, but at, at some level, they, you know, they might have to turn it over. But otherwise, yeah, your data is fine. Now, if your drive gets corrupted such that the data in your Dropbox folder also gets corrupted those changes will be synced right so if you corrupt a file either because it you know something happens to the drive or you just munge it right you know you're in editing and you accidentally hit select all delete and save right now the data in your dropbox on all of your computers and on dropbox's server that file will now be empty or corrupted however dropbox saves a revision history for a free account i believe that history is five iterations and, and, and a maximum of 30 days, I think, but there is a limit on that. That limit gets a whole lot bigger with paid accounts. So that's something you might want to look into, but yeah, Dropbox still might save you in, in that situation where you, or something that happens on your computer destroys or corrupts that file or deletes it. Uh, you can, you can get them back that way too. So there you go. That's the, uh, that's the answer. And great question. It's, uh, you know, like I said, it's one of those things that's easy to overlook and a great feature, a safety feature of Dropbox. Right. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, this is a weird, I I've been wanting to talk about this one all week, John. So we will, we will perhaps wrap up with, with this question from Michael. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I, I, because I just don't, it, I've never heard of this before. Uh, so it's it's going to be one of these weird ones. He says, and and he asked some other things, which, which we answer via email, but I'm going to focus on this one part of it. He said, I'm afraid I I'm nearly at the point uh, where I need a new laptop. My trusty late 2008, 15 inch MacBook pro has gotten into a bad habit of not starting up. Nothing, no chime, no beep, nothing strangely. And this is the, this is the part folks If I heat up the laptop with a space heater or in a pinch, a hairdryer, then it starts up and runs like a charm. My path around this behavior is to never shut the machine down, but sometimes even when sleeping, it will drain the battery to the point of not waking up, and then I need to do the heat treatment. I've maxed out the RAM in it, and I've installed a one terabyte SSD into the easy access hard drive slot in the battery compartment of this model. Uh, He says, I also use a a express card slot drive and he's got clones and all of that stuff. So that's the part that's just weird is, you know, at first I thought it was a spindle hard drive because some spindle hard drives won't spin up unless they're like if they're dying, sometimes heating up a a spindle hard drive because there's lubrication in there. and, And if it gets dried out, you know, heating it up can can help. But a, you'd hear a startup chime. It just wouldn't find the disk. Uh, but b, he's got an SSD in there, so no moving part in that in that sense. And uh, so it just seems odd. But it, you know, we're getting some comments from the chat room. I was curious to your thoughts, John. But I think I think the folks in the chat room have the magic answer
0: as to why this is happening. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, well, it it uh, mirrors uh, what my thought would be. So yeah, it's um so this this would be going to physics. The thing is most things when you heat them expand, and when you cool them, contract. So I think what's happening is well, boiling it down, I think it's a it's a bad either solder joint or or flaky connector okay, and in this case, it's probably the connector that's going from the keyboard to the motherboard in that machine because the power button last I checked oh, on that right. class of machine the power button is actually part of the keyboard assembly. So if you've been in that machine, that may be, you may want to double check and make sure that that connection is clean and uh, well secured. If I recall, by default, when you, uh, when you have that connection, it, it actually has some uh, uh, insulating tape over it to kind of hold the connector down there. Yeah. So yeah, I'm with the other people here is that, yeah, I mean, it totally makes sense. I mean, the the good news is that it's, it it sounds reproducible and that when you're at a certain temperature, it's not making a connection, but then when you heat things up, it it expands enough to make the right connection. And then when you press the power button, it works. It may be that it's a bad connection.
1: If it's not the, the entire keyboard, right? It could just be a bad uh, connection in the power button itself. Right. And so, uh, oh, sure. He- right. Heating that up does it. But you don't use the power button at any other time because your computer's on. You open the lid and it wakes up. You don't need the power button. So I'd be curious, actually, if while you're using it, I mean, obviously the computer itself is generating some heat. So this is not an isolating experiment, but. I'd be curious if you hit the power button while it's running, just tap it once. It should bring up the little shutdown dialogue or the, you know, the restart shutdown sleep or cancel dialogue is what should appear. I'm curious if it would. Yeah. I'm totally with you now. I, now I get it. That of course, that's what's happening.
0: Yeah. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. So if you wanted to repair it, I would say replacing the keyboard, maybe, but there's an old, I mean, this is, this is the classic machine that I recently, uh, no, you
1: know, this is one well, step past 2008.
0: late. Oh, I know. Cause I had, I, yeah, that's what I was saying. Yeah. I had an early 2008. So this is the late 2008, which I believe was the first unibody, right? I, I, I would believe that too. He didn't say that specifically, but I'm,
1: I'm 99% certain that that is correct. I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. Cause he, he said it's got the, the way easy, uh, hard drive access, which oh, we, which we yeah. did not have right <laughs> but <laughs> no but, we had the way hard <laughs> most certainly <laughs> almost impossible <laughs> well it's not impossible like i said lucas and i did it last weekend i mean it was a 20 minute thing once yeah. you've done it it's like what well once you've done it and when you have the i fix it instructions i i can't stress enough how differently i view the concept of opening a laptop now that iFixit's instructions exist, because without those, think about this, right? You know, it used to be, and this is why I I swore off opening laptops. You had no idea where to even start. You just start looking at the thing. You're like, well, I see some screws here. I see some screws there. I don't know if I need to unscrew these or if I do in what order, right? I mean, these iFixit instructions to take all the guesswork out of it and it makes a huge difference because there's parts like on our old ones, like the early 2008s, you know, you had to you unscrewed all the right things and you flipped it around the right ways. And then finally it was time to take the keyboard off. But, you know, you had to start lifting from you have to start lifting from the back and then get to the front and pop these clips that take a lot of pressure more pressure than you would ever feel comfortable just guessing it doing. And then, oh, by the way, don't lift too much because there's that keyboard connector way in the back where you started. I mean, you know, knowing this is way more than half the battle. It's like 90% of the battle. So those iFixit instructions, it's, it's killer. It's killer. You can't live without them. I can't. I, I won't open laptops without them. I don't, I don't want to. I oh. I The last laptop I opened before iFixit existed it was for um, uh, the the guy who wrote I mean he did a lot of other things, but he wrote Miami Vice, the theme song. Right. Uh, Jan Hammer. I did some work for him and he called me up and he's like, oh, Dave, I, you know, I need the data off my son's dead laptop. And I'm like, OK, man, I, I'm going to do this because I love you. But here's the deal. Uh, I will open it up. I will get the hard drive out, but I will not. This laptop, we are sacrificing everything around the drive, right? If, if you're okay with that, he's like, I don't care about the laptop. I just want the data off the hard drive. My son needs this stuff. And I thought, okay, fine. So I just dug in and ripped in. And when I found the hard drive, I ripped it out and put the rest of the laptop in the trash. It was like, okay, that's a recycled, you know what I mean? I, I took care of it mostly responsibly, but but there was no there was no effort to maintain my breadcrumbs of a path going in. And then after I fixed it came around, and then I then I was like, "Oh, okay." You know, but it was a t- it was an iBook or something that I had never been into before, so that was the last one.
0: Oh yeah. Well, same with this mini, dude. I would uh, the, it, first off the Mac Mini, at least the one that I have here, the twenty ten, and I think it gets worse as they get newer. But this machine was not meant to be worked on by. Uh, well, I'll say that the memory was intended to be replaced by the user because it's right there when you pop open the the when you screw off the bottom. But the hard drive, unless you had those instructions, because it actually involves you moving the motherboard. Oh yeah. Right. Moving the motherboard ever so slightly because they didn't have quite enough clearance for the hard drive to come out unless you pull the motherboard forward, but you don't want to pull it forward too much because then you're going to disconnect the IR sensor. Right. In this, in this class of machine. But I remember reading that and I'm like, oh man, if I didn't have the instructions, I would have destroyed everything or at the very least would have disconnected the IR uh, receiver. Not that I really use it on the mini that much. Yes. interesting. They still have it. I wonder if they still have that on the, uh, on the latest mini.
1: I yeah, I don't know. I've never been inside a mini. Those I, I hear are, you know, not as easy. Hey, um before we wrap up today, I, I just want to very, very quickly uh I, I had I had my my epiphany moment with the Apple Watch this week. Um and it actually happened during an episode of our Daily Observations podcast. I, I um uh it might uh, I think it was Thursdays. I believe it was Thursday's episode of the Mac observer daily observations. I'll find the link. I'll put it in the, in the show notes. I'll find the show, but it, I'll, I'll summarize here too, but it's a great podcast. You should listen to it short, like 20 minutes each day. I'm not always on it. Jeff Gambit brings in different members of the staff to talk about different things. But anyway, uh, I, uh, I had been keeping, you know, so I've been wearing the watch since it showed up. So two weeks and two days now, cause it's Sunday. And There's some things about it that are fine, but, you know, I just didn't get the whole, I didn't, I hadn't bought into the whole use case of it yet. And part of the issue was a lot of the use of it sort of, sort of stinks because third-party apps aren't there yet. And we can't really blame the vendors. They, you know, they've only had the watch for two weeks at best. Right. So, and, and there's, you know, a lot of the glances are slow, but my problem was. I had left all of these third party apps just cluttered up on my watch that, you know, I keep a lot of apps on my iPhone. And so all of those, if they had watch apps just appeared on my watch. And then of course all the glances were there and I was keeping them even though I wasn't using them because I have this hope of, well, you know, each of these vendors is probably some of them anyway are going to update their watch apps and make them better now that they can really test on the device and see about timing and, you know, how long it takes to do things and what's bad and what's good. And I realized that's exactly the wrong way to do it. The watch should be a very, very, like almost ruthlessly streamlined experience. And so you got to just turn off all the apps that you're not using. Certainly turn off all the glances that you're not going to use. And really, really, like, again, ruthlessly streamline down on what you're doing with the watch. And I did this on Thursday. I still need to do more of it. And all I'll do is I'll just watch the update logs. I don't have my iPhone update apps automatically. Cause I like to see change logs and that's my way of, of forcing myself to, to or reminding myself to read change logs. So I do that anyway. And I'll see when somebody says we've updated our watch app and it's like, okay, I'll go turn that back on and try it again. But it, you know, whereas with my phone for the most part, I can just leave piles of apps on there and, Again, for the most part, they don't just go off and run in the background Skype um, and ruin things. But uh, on the watch, it it was definitely not the case. So, yes, there's still some things that Apple will and will need to. And I'm sure will change with the watch in terms of what they Mm -hmm. they need to really coalesce updates, uh, especially for glances. When I go into glances, it should just update everything. So because I, I get a lot of time where I get to a glance and it, I, I get this blurry watch screen while the, the app is blank and I get, you know, like five to 15 seconds of waiting for the data to come in. And if I have to, my feeling on the watch is if I have to interact with it for more than five seconds, I should just go get my phone. So these glances need to be made a lot faster, but they need to do it efficiently so that they're not burning up the battery. But I think they should coalesce the updates. As soon as you open glances, you just go, boom, we're going to get everything and then be done. So, uh, but, you know, they'll get there. They'll figure it out. But um, but now I'm really kind of coming around to it. I'm only using apps that are really, really well done for it. And uh, even though there's there might be an app that I think, oh, this could be good, but it's not quite there, I just kill it. And now I'm really kind of coming around to the way the watch works. I've got to go to, uh, I have to, I say, uh, to Disney World this week for uh, my son's jazz band is actually playing down there on Friday. And so I'm looking forward to wearing the watch while we're moving around in the park and, and that kind of thing. And I have worn it. I got the sport band, uh, which is really light. And I wore the watch the whole time at my gig on, um, on Friday night. And it was cool having it track my heart rate and average heart rate and, you know, and my caloric burn and all that stuff. So there's, there's some I'm, I'm starting to come around to this. Um, we'll see how it goes. I really like the messaging. I've kind of gotten into that, but it takes a little while to just kind of grok the UI. It's not, it's not intuitive on day one. You kind of have to get into it a little bit. And so, so there you go. That's, that's my, uh, that's my quick, quick update on the watch. I'll, you know, we'll revisit it every now and then.
0: Yeah. I like how it gave your uh, daughter a new name when you messaged me. (laughs) it, It surprisingly, it misspelled
1: my daughter's name. Um, even though I have her name in my address book obviously and all that, but yeah, I just dictated a a thing on my, on my way back. I said, you know, I dropped my daughter off off at work and it got her name wrong and all that. But um, one thing that was pretty cool, uh, she had a dance recital last night and so she was backstage. She only had one number that she was in and and there was like, you know, whatever, 50 numbers in the thing. And, and so, uh, she texted me at one, I was texting her from the watch. I, you know, I sent her like a thumbs up after her thing so that I wasn't pulling out my phone or trying to, you know, talk into the thing, but I sent her a thumbs up after her, 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 you know, her number. And she said, thanks. And then she said, how's the ballet? They did a, uh, they, a ballet adaptation of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, which was awesome. And she wrote me, how's the hmm. ballet? Now I have all my canned responses on the, on the watch, uh, you know, for text messages, which you can set, you can customize those in the watch app. And so I knew I had one in there that said sweet because sometimes I respond with sweet. So I figured I'll put that in there and I'll go get it. But at the top of the list, before it had my pre, you know, pre entered canned responses, it saw that she asked me a question. And so there were three responses at the top. Good, great and bad. And I thought, man, (laughs) that's killer. And so I just typed, I tapped great. It was just right there. She asked, how is it? And I tapped great and it was done. So this kind of thing, you know, where it's, it's sort of not predictive, but context sensitive. uh, That's where this device can, it really is, you know, it's efficient at communication. I'll say that. So it's, I'm, I'm kind of getting into it. You know, Twitter's app, horrible. Twitterifics watch app, awesome. Uh, you know, the Twitter app, it does like two things and you never would want to do either one of them. Whereas the Twitter Twitterific app lets you see when people mention you and you can reply and, you know, do different favorite and retweet. And so, again, there's just, you know, it really is up to the app developers, both Apple's internal app developers, as well as uh, third parties to really define what works. But Twitterific is a, a killer example of what works really well on the watch. You have to, you can get the free Twitterific app for the iPhone, but you have to pay to get notifications to make the watch app useful. But it's a couple of bucks. I mean, it's not,
0: you know, it's not horrible. So anyway, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> I'd be really impressed if in addition to those list of choices there, Dave, they added both a thumbs up and the pile of poo. Uh, well you have I mean I do have a thumbs up uh,
1: you know the, there's the animated emoticons <laughs> on the watch I'll send you one so you can see them but because um, you can get them on your iPhone even though you um, even though mm-hmm. you can't send the animated ones you can see them so I'll send you one of those so you can see what it looks like All right. there we are so it's kind of cool I'm, I'm coming around to it a week ago I was like yeah, I don't know but, but now I'm like you know it's interesting it's interesting. All right. Well, we survived the first show using Evernote. How'd you like it, John? Uh, it didn't crash. Sweet. You found. So. Uh, Wait. We, we both found that. Well, other than when I blew it, but um, you know, we we found our our things better, and it's nice because we just put them in there, and now when I clear through the show notes, I'll delete them, and then they're gone for both of us. We don't have to you know manage. So. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I do miss wearing my, my, my fun, you know, analog watches. I, they're they're, they're I'm like, I wish I could wear both and not have stuff on both wrists in a weird way. But um, not, not currently. Anyway, feedback at MacGeekGab.com is the address to which you can send us anything you want.
0: Like Alice's restaurant, but. Yeah, you're right, Dave. Uh, I, I I believe you would send an email to feedback at MacGeekGab.com. I, I did. I said feedback at
1: MacGeekGab.com. That's right. Uh, Or premium at MacGeekGab.com if you are a MacGeekGab premium supporter. And if you can, we would love to have you... Uh, do that uh it of course if you can't that's totally fine too we still want you as a listener that doesn't change even one iota uh but check it out if you uh if you are able and interested at macgeekab.com that'll that'll get you get you through and you can check out how to uh how to support us and make a decision from there but we'd certainly would appreciate it and to all of you who are premium subscribers already uh our heartfelt thanks Th- thank you very much it really really um, it helps i mean it it makes a difference obviously financially but you know just the the seeing your support there is is uh, tumbling and inspiring it really really does drive us to to make the best show we can every single week for you any of you however can call us at 206 666 geek which is john four three three five that's not all It's not all. Well, you know, I realized, John, that there are all these international iTunes reviews that I had... Oh, yeah, thanks for that. ...that we had completely... uh, That we don't get to see, but I signed up for uh, my podcast review service from Daniel J. Lewis, and he's written this killer engine that lets us see all of these. And so, uh, you know, now we can see these reviews from from all over the place. And uh, Andy writes... Uh, all the other tech shows are just rehashing the news this is real tips and help you can use Uh, Freddie writes uh, with Dave and John's witty combination of humor and fantastically up to date and interesting discussion on every aspect of the Mac users world this podcast has something for everyone while they do go in depth in certain areas do not feel put off as they also cover a great many issues that less advanced users may be having not only is this podcast enjoyable to listen to but also very useful if you Want to learn more about your Mac or ask the geeks a question? That's just a sample of some of these. In fact, Stephen Sheridan, which I think he it, it came from an Ireland review, which he might have written when he was over there, or, or maybe it's a different Stephen Sheridan, saw uh, an excellent podcast covering all things Mac. Dave and John do an absolutely great job of informing listeners about new Mac technology, along with answering question, listeners' questions on Mac-related topics, and goes on from there. So thank you so much for the reviews. It really, really, it helps us. Um, I mean, it's great to see, obviously. But it really does help us uh, in terms of ranking and iTunes and all that stuff. Uh, So we appreciate it.
0: We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah. I saw us up there the other day. If you uh, typically, if you, uh, I think if you go to technology and software how-to, yeah, uh, uh, we're we're typically uh, along with uh, our other podcasting friends. Yeah, usually up there somewhere. Yeah It's good stuff me warm fuzzy It does Yeah, no, we
1: appreciate it it's a, it's a great way to be able to help the show And it doesn't take you very long So, uh, so please, if, you, if you've got an, a spare minute Do that And uh, we are up I think we're at 550 reviews or so uh, worldwide I think U.S. is just over 400 now I'd love to see U.S. get over 500 and It wouldn't take many of you, you know I'm just saying It wouldn't take many I'd like to thank Michael Johnston, host of the iOS show podcast, and also publisher of GetAppler.com for converting this show into AAC and adding all those chapters and links and timestamps and all of that for, uh, for all of you. Thank you, Michael. Also, to the folks at Cashfly, C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com for uh, the bandwidth to get the show from us to you and the hosting on all of their points of presence all over the world. It makes a great difference for getting your downloads to you quickly. Cashfly. And, uh, of course, to our sponsors, great to have Warby Parker back. WarbyParker.com slash MGG to get you free expedited shipping. And your five free pairs of glasses could be yours by the time you're hearing the next episode of Mac Geek. Uh, just go there now. WarbyParker.com slash MGG. No obligation to buy, but go try them on. It's fun. It's a fun process. WarbyParker.com slash MGG. Uh, also, as we mentioned, Gazelle at Gazelle.com. Buy or sell. Sell or buy. Use uh, Max and iTunes, iTunes, iPods, iPhones. Smile at smilesoftware.com. Makers of uh, PDF pen and text expander and all that good stuff. Squarespace at squarespace.com slash M-G-G. Build it beautiful with Squarespace. Linda, L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash M-G-G for 10 free days of their awesome training videos. And of course, iMazing at iMazing.com. Coupon code MGG gets you 20% off of some great iTunes and or iPhone management software. So you gotta check out iMazing. All through Backbeat Media. John, you started the show. Why don't you uh,
0: wrap it up with some some killer advice? I started it, Dave, and I'm gonna end it. And how I'm gonna end it? I'm gonna end it by telling everyone, don't get caught.